Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it happened in the last couple of weeks. It happened twice, actually, and I guarantee you did notice although you might not know what I'm talking about. To make it clear, I have a chart, because that seems like the right way to start this final message here. You can see what we have here is the high temperature by day over much of the month of May here. And at the beginning of the month, we were just experiencing this beautiful Illinois spring, highs in the 60s and 70s. Wasn't it nice? Man, it was beautiful. I got outside a lot. And then we get to, I think it was May 19th, and boom, the high temperature jumps like 15 degrees. It's a high of 85. Suddenly, we're living in high 80s and 90s land, balmy, sweaty, Midwest summer, uncomfortable. And then just two days ago, shoots right back down. We're back in the 60s and the 70s again. It's like, you know, your your wardrobe is flying all over the place. You can't keep up. Um, It has been sort of a crazy transition as the seasons have just jumped back and forth. And, you know, if you've been around central Illinois for any period of time, maybe just the Midwest more generally, um, you, you see quickly that this is actually fairly normal. You know, this idea that there's like a fall and a spring and a summer and a winter and that that's all that there is, that's not really how it works, despite what they teach us in grade school. The actual reality is something more like this. There's 11 plus seasons. You've got winter, fool spring, second winter, spring of deception. That's one of my favorites. Third winter, mud season, actual spring. Um, I would insert what we just experienced there is bait and switch summer. Um, Then real summer, false fall, second summer, and actual fall. So there's 11, at least 11, maybe 12, 13 seasons around here. And we just kind of have to ride the ride, don't we? Um, And that's probably good. Like, I think it's these seasons that allow us to, to grow such great crops here, which is really important both for the economy and, you know, all the people that those crops feed. Um, But it can mean that these transition points can be just a little bit uncomfortable as the seasons do indeed wind up changing, particularly if it's dramatic like it has been lately. And I think this is one of those places where the way things work in the spirit is sort of a reflection of the way that things work in the natural. See, there exist spiritual seasons just like they exist natural seasons. And God brings us through spiritual seasons, and and the transitions between those can be uncomfortable. And it seems to me that that we're all kind of collectively at a place where the Lord is, is bringing us through spiritual season changes. You know, for for my side, you know, Brittany and I have been in a journey where it's really been over the last year that we've been praying and seeking the Lord and getting input and counsel and prophetic words and, and so forth and so on that have led us to the place where we're accepting this season change. And to be honest, we still don't really know all that it's about. We're gonna kind of transitionally go to Chicago. We're gonna make a season of listening to the Lord to try to be like, okay, God, we are following you. We're ready for the next instructions. (laughs) And that's been hard. It's been really, really challenging and really, really difficult. 
But I know it's not just us that are in a season change. In fact, there's, there's a lot of season change that I just feel with our, our broader church family. You see things like, um, you know, there's people that we've been used to seeing regularly, not just myself, that the Lord is moving on to, to new seasons where we're not going to see them quite so much anymore. There's actually people stepping into new assignments within the, the church family here. People stepping up saying, this is what God's calling me to do. And, and there's kind of shifting assignments there. And, and doubtless, there's also going to be people that the Lord is going to be bringing in, new faces uh, around here that are stepping into things that God is guiding them to as well. And so I, I see a real season change happening for all of us. And that's, of course, to say nothing of like the fact that this is graduation season. There's probably some season changes there. You know, all the employment changes happening with the world as it is. A lot of us are in these season changes. And today I want to talk about that. I want to ask some questions. What are these seasons about? <laughs> Why are they not just fun but also uncomfortable sometimes? And how should we respond when we're in one of these moments of season change? Today, I want to talk about spiritual seasons. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of every season. And I thank you, Lord, that we can follow you, we can trust you, and that you are always bringing us into the more. And so, God, today, as we, as we unpack this topic, I ask that you would be here and you would be present and that you would teach ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive from your word because we want to be in alignment with what you are doing, Father. And so I ask, open our minds, open our hearts, and give us the grace to align ourselves with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, what are these season things about? I think one of the best passages that explores that and kind of highlights the idea is a really iconic passage in Ecclesiastes 3. The passage is a fair bit longer than this, but I'll read the first four verses and it gives us a pretty clear sense as to what it's talking about. It says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Really, Christina? Really? <laughs> no, before that passage was made famous by the birds, it was made famous by Solomon a few thousand years earlier. And just a little, like, kind of trivia tidbit that I can't help but mention here. Um, many of you know that when I was uh, between seven and eight years old, uh, our family moved to China for a year to be missionaries. By the way, my parents are here. Shout out to my parents. Raise your hand. And Dan over there. Um, and uh, we quickly found in China that there was like literally no one else that spoke English. There was like one other person that spoke English in, in the town. And this is like pre-internet days, so we had no connection to American culture. We were like intensely culture starved. And so I think it was my aunt recorded some songs on the radio and sent a cassette tape to us for a Christmas gift. And we listened to it every single day. And that was one of the songs that's on there. And so that's probably why I love the book of Ecclesiastes to this day. But the, the passage here, what Solomon is talking about, is he's talking about the fact that 
in life, there are these kind of um, things where two things point in a different direction, and we need both of them for the richness of life. And, and this is just kind of generally how life works, you know? Like, it lives in tensions. There's the tension between um, compassion and giving to others in their need, and then the tension of that with healthy boundaries and taking care of ourselves. Those two point in different directions. The tension of, of financial generosity and financial stewardship. The tension of the fact that we believe that God is sovereign, the universe is in his hands, and yet... I still get to make my own choices. He doesn't micromanage my life. There, these, these things have these tensions between them. And, and A.W. Tozer, the, the great Christian thinker, used to say this, truth has two wings. And in that, what he was trying to say is that it's actually the tension between both of these that allow something to take flight and raise to another level that goes beyond what would happen if you only had one or the other. I think that's a really profound observation. And that's what uh, Solomon is talking about here. He's saying there is a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. <laughs> and he connects those to this idea of seasons. You see, God knows that all of us, we would usually prefer one or the other side of that, wouldn't we? I would much rather rejoice than weep. I would, I would much rather dance than mourn. I have a preference, and I would stay on one of those sides forever if I could. But what God does is he orients our life to include spiritual seasons so we can experience the broader spectrum. And in that, there's a richness that enters our life which transcends what we would have if we just had our own way all the time. And that those seasons result in an increased fruitfulness, just like they do in the natural realm. The seasons are required for fruitfulness. And, and God's um, speaking to Noah in Genesis 8. He says this, it's that whole conversation right after the flood where he's like, I won't do it again, don't, don't worry. And, and he says this, well, the earth remains seed time and harvest. Well, that's about fruitfulness right there. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter. Now we're talking about seasons. Day and night shall not cease. The two are linked together. And so what that means is this. When we're processing moments like this moment, seasonal transition moments, the, the sort of big picture that we need to keep in mind as we process our present day is that this whole thing is designed to increase kingdom fruitfulness. The whole thing has a, has a purpose to it. It's not just random. It's not just arbitrary. And if it's painful, it's not just cruel. It's that the tension is there to produce something that goes beyond what could exist without the tension. So, so these seasons are for fruitfulness. And, and how do we navigate moments like this where we're in that transition between seasons? where we've been enjoying a nice um, spring in the Midwest and then the high jumps 15 degrees and all of a sudden we're sweating through all our clothes. How do, you, how do you handle that moment? Well, I have three observations that I want to make on season transitions. The first is this. Season transitions often begin 
when God does something unexpected. And I'll put parentheses around that and say, or you could say uncomfortable. (laughs) Because when God's doing something unexpected, it's usually uncomfortable, isn't it? Maybe I'm the only one. I'm pretty sure we're all like that. Now, to see an example of this, I want to look at um, the Apostle Paul and his journey in a season transition that happens in the book of Acts. Now, um, at this point, Paul and um, Timothy and Silas are traveling around the ancient world, and they're uh, looking to plant more churches, to, to spread the gospel and to, and to form churches. And so they're traveling around doing that. And they begin by actually going to an area that they had visited last time they were doing this and strengthening and ministering to the churches. And, and then some interesting things begin to happen. So let's, let's pick up at Acts 16, and here's what it says. And they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Okay, pause here. We've already got three names, Phrygia, Galatia, what on earth is happening here? Well, relax, good news, I have a map. And so we've got a map up here. I need to just take every opportunity to use my military-grade laser pointer. And I'm going to talk us through what's happening here, okay? So Phrygia is down here, and Galatia is up here. This kind of green region is what, is what Luke is writing about. And Timothy and Paul wind up traveling through this region because that's where they had planted churches last time. The church of Galatians is Galatia. That's, that's the idea there, okay? So they're traveling through this area, and Paul, he's a strategic thinker. He's thinking, how can we get gospel expansion? And what he's probably thinking is, I already have a base of operations here. So what makes a lot of sense is to look at the adjacent territory, to use that as a launching point to go forward. So it says they, were, they traveled throughout this region, but then something interesting happens. The Holy Spirit forbade them to speak the word in Asia. Wait a minute, that's right next door. That's exactly where he should be going. That makes a ton of sense. But the Holy Spirit says, nope, we're not going there. So what does Paul do? He says, well, they had, when they had come up to Mysia, that's this area right up here, so they kind of like wander through Asia, the Holy Spirit's like, nope, 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 nope. They came up to Mysia, and they attempted to go to Bithynia. That's this area up here. Again, this makes perfect sense. It's right next to Galatia. You've got a base of operations, strategic expansion, This is perfect, right? But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. God is slamming the doors in Paul's face on every option that makes strategic sense for his missionary journey. This is very unexpected. Do you think Paul was confused? I'm pretty sure Paul was very confused. And so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. That's this little city right here on the edge. Now remember, just parenthetically here, this is the ancient world. Paul is either walking or probably at best riding a donkey. He's not taking a car or a plane. This is an uncomfortable expedition. And he's wandered through this whole space, God saying, no, 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 until he comes to this port city. And and Luke doesn't say this, but here's my guess. My guess is Paul is thinking about sailing back home. He's like, I don't get it. I wandered through all that. God wouldn't do anything, so I don't know. So he comes to this port city, 
And it says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia. That's this orange one up here. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is a super weird moment. Paul, who's like established all these churches, he wants to church plant, and God slams the door in his face repeatedly. I mean, think about how long this took. We're talking months, if not years, probably, of God being like, nope, can't go there. Nope, can't go there. Nope, can't go there. And then when God finally does speak, he says, go three countries over and plant the gospel over there. This makes no sense from Paul's point of view, at least at first but it winds up being a brilliant play because the gospel takes massive root in this area. You've got Thessalonica up there, Thessalonians, Philippi, that's uh, Philippians, Corinth is down here, Corinthians. All of these churches become really significant, important churches, and that's the door that gets kicked open for the evangelization of much of Western Europe over time. It's actually a brilliant move, but it's a move that Paul was completely blinded to. Why? Because we as humans, we can generally only see the thing next to us really well. When we're right here, we can say, oh, I should go there. That's next to me. Or I should go there. That's next to me. But God sees the whole playing field. God sees that once in a while, it really makes sense to jump three countries over and start from scratch again way over there, even though no strategic planner would ever tell you to do that. God sometimes begins a new season by doing something unexpected or uncomfortable. Anybody else feel like God's doing some unexpected things in your life right now? Anybody else feeling the discomfort of that disruption? (laughs) I know I am. Second observation. Spiritual season changes often involve seeing concrete losses before the gains that God brings in time. Let's look at Paul again a couple of chapters later. This is in uh, Acts 20. And he's actually completed, this is a bunch of years later, he's completed a whole lot more church planting. And Paul is on his way to go to Jerusalem. And eventually from there, he winds up going on to Rome as he gets like arrested and tried and all these kinds of things. And so he's, he's traveling back to Jerusalem and he has this experience where on the way there he stops and he visits with a bunch of the elders from one of the churches that he planted later, actually in that Asia area that the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go to at first. He's now been able to go back and plant there. And so he meets them on the beach and he has a conversation with them and he says this, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonments and afflictions await me. So what's Paul saying? He starts by saying this, I am being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go, and I have no idea what the fruit is going to be, except that I'll probably get arrested. (laughs) That's the only thing I know. There is no clear concrete gains that Paul has his eyes on here. What he has his eyes on is, I am being compelled by the Spirit. I can't not do this, even though I don't even actually know why I'm doing this. 
He says, but I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, to the grace of God. And I just want to shout out to Happen Die. I know they love that verse. That's awesome verse. So good. What's Paul saying? He's saying, I have to do this because the purpose of my life has to be to fulfill my assignment. Even though I don't know what the fruit is going to be, it's not about that. It's about fulfilling the assignment that God has given me. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Now, this is the first time Paul says, I do know what's going to happen. And what does he know? He's never going to see them again. There's a clear, concrete loss that he's facing and gains that only live in potential land. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. This is often what happens in these seasonal transitions. God brings the conclusion of one season, which results in losses, in things that were connected to that season. And so we see the one season ending before we eventually see the fruit of the next season, but you can't see it in that, in that awkward middle ground. And that is uncomfortable. It's not fun. But what I appreciate is the way that Paul and the elders of of the church of Ephesus handle this. A little bit later, it says this, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The, the elders and Paul are embracing the loss that the season change is, is causing. They don't try and trivialize it. They don't go, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. No, they go, this is hard. But they take that loss and they embrace it. And in doing that, they actually convert that loss to an act of worship. Because now it's, there's a cost for obeying God. I'm going to accept the cost because it makes my obedience more valuable. And so he says, I have to go, even though I don't know what it means, even though it means losing this relationship, I have to go because I have to complete the assignment God has given me. And so there's an embracing of that loss, not a trivialization, a this is hard, but God, I'm going to choose to accept the hardness of this moment as part of the cost of obeying you and saying you are worth that obedience. That's actually the way to handle those losses that happen in the transitionary seasons. Now, of course, Paul, uh, the writer, Luke, doesn't say this, But the great Christian hope we have is that no uh, farewell with another believer is ever permanent, right? It's more like, hey, I'll see you in a few decades in heaven, right? (laughs) Or something like that. (laughs) And so I think it's probably also helpful to remember that. I'm sure it was a very, very bittersweet moment, but it wasn't a permanent farewell. For us, it never is. Third observation is this, is that in these season transitions, the difficult moments are actually designed to give you something critical you need. In John 15, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Now, this verse doesn't use the word seasons in it. But seasons are floating in the background. How do I know that? Because pruning is a seasonal event. You don't just prune and plant anytime you feel like it. That's probably a good way to kill it. You have to prune the plant seasonally, the right time, in the right way. And what happens is the plant then draws more nutrients from the soil and focuses its growth. And that drawing more nutrients and that focusing is what produces more fruitfulness. And in this place, Jesus is saying, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And the implication is this, that seasonal pruning that the, the Father does in our lives sometimes, it's there to make us draw off of Jesus more. And if we draw off of Jesus more, that's what actually puts in us the life and the nutrients to produce more kingdom fruit. I know um, a little more than 11 years ago, when the Lord told me to close up my physics career and to stay in town, I didn't know that that was going to result in me joining the pastoral team here. I didn't know that, you know, I don't know, whatever subsequent things in the last 11 years would happen. All I knew is that I had spent a decade in this physics thing, and I had summited the academic mountain. And the Lord said, okay, now walk away from it for nothing. <laughs> that season was really, really hard. And I learned in that season to trust Jesus in ways that I don't think I could have in any other season. To actually trust that Jesus is my provider when he knows what he's doing and I can't see what he's doing. To actually believe in his goodness. And you know what? it turned out to be those very things that were what I needed to be a good pastor. See, the transition actually armed me for the next assignment. And that's how these transitions work. And that's why it's important for us to allow ourselves to embrace the hardness of it and not try and rush through it. It's tempting to do that. I get it. It's uncomfortable. I don't like being uncomfortable either. But if you rush through it, you don't get the growth that it's designed to bring you. And so we have to allow ourselves to journey through it with the Lord. And that's not always easy. I said we've been a year in a discernment process. That's a long time. It would have been much easier to do it much quicker I would have grown a whole lot less too. Take the journey with God. And so I suppose I just want to take a moment and say, I don't know. Does any of this seem relevant to us? God doing anything unexpected in your life? Or uncomfortable maybe? Are you starting to see concrete losses without concrete gains? If so... Welcome to transition and season land. <laughs> and if that's where you are, my admonition to you would be this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the founder 
and the perfecter of faith. Like Paul, the losses are real. Don't trivialize them, but the focus has to be on the Lord and what he's doing. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. And if you'll keep your eyes on him in the difficult transition time, the things he'll sow into you will be world-changing in the next season. And so, I just want to invite you to join me in that, I guess. This week actually marks 11 years to the day since I started on staff here. June 2010. (laughs) Thanks, App, for taking a uh, risk on a physicist, by the way. And, you know, I I can't help, um, perhaps it's just the poeticness of that, but I can't help but hijack some of my uh, favorite words from an occasion somewhat like this ever penned. And to say 11 years is far too short a time to be a pastor at such an excellent and admirable church. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, And I like less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. (laughs) I've always wanted to do that. If only I had a ring, right? If you don't know what that's from, that's from the Lord of the Rings. It's kind of the beginning when Bilbo Baggins is, is doing his thing. And if you'll parse the grammar, which is really hard to do, but if you'll parse the grammar, it basically means this. I wish I knew you better because the more I get to know you, the more wonderful I realize you are. That's, that's what that actually means. And that's precisely how I feel about this church. You know, Brittany mentioned this was the, the church where she grew up in the spirit. And I 100% echo that. And it would, I would add lots of things. You know, I, I came to this church for the first time in fall 2004. I was a grad student in physics. And you know what? I was not about the things of the Holy Spirit. I sat in the back row back there, crossed my arms for four years at every service. But you know what? This was a place where I could stay and the Lord could gently maneuver me into the corner until he ambushed me and introduced me to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so this is the place I met the Holy Spirit and that will always be, I can't imagine anything but one of the most life-changing moments I've ever had. This is the place I, I, I learned how to lead, how to welcome others into the good things that God is doing. Shout out to small groups and small group leading. This is a church I learned to pastor Surprised they didn't give that to me in my physics training. (laughs) And to learn to nurture and to care for the flock here. That was a steep learning curve. Thank you for putting up with me during that. This is the the place I learned to preach. I came with classroom experience. I didn't know how to preach the word of God. You guys all became my guinea pigs. (laughs) And this is the, the place where 10 years ago, Happy said, hey, why don't we try and build a healing school? Something that's gone far beyond, I think, either of our expectations or dreams. God's done such beautiful things to school kingdom ministry. And each of those things has happened with just the most beautiful and wonderful people. I love you guys. I really do. (laughs) I, I find myself sharing some of the sentiments of Paul as he talks to the Ephesian elders, where he says, you know, I'm, I'm being compelled by the Spirit to go into this next thing. And I don't know what, what, what's ahead of me. And I can 100% echo that. 
I'm being compelled, and I don't know what's ahead. And all I see is the concrete costs, which is hard. But I'm glad I don't share the sentiment that I don't think you'll ever see me again. You will probably see me again. Come to More Love, More Power. I'll be there in, the, in November. Buy the ticket now. Come give me a hug, okay? You, you guys will see me again for sure. That I can tell you. But it is a change. It's a season transition. And what I want to, I suppose, commit to you guys as my church family for the last 17 years the investment you've made in me, the investment you've made in us, it won't be wasted. We're going to take all those things forward and we're going to multiply them more and more as God increases our kingdom fruitfulness. And so I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for being a space where we could risk and experiment and grow and try things and, and grow into the things God has, has brought us into. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to the leadership for that. We will multiply those. And I can say as well, in, with good faith, that I know God will multiply these things here as well. It's not the end of any of those things that, that I've walked in while I've been here. I don't know how it's going to happen. It lives in that potential gains land. I don't know what it looks like, but I know that it will happen. And so I want to invite you to, to kind of join me on the shore, as it were, <laughs> and to say, you know, we're here. And this is a hard moment, but we're going to keep our focus on God. And we're going to believe that his goodness is what's guiding us here. And in time, we will see that increased kingdom fruit for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you are the God of every season and that we can trust you and we can follow you. And so, Lord, we just give you our unreserved yes for the next season. Whatever you're doing, we can't see it clearly, Lord, but we know that you're moving and we know what you're like. We know that you're good. And so we say we trust in your goodness. We trust in who you are and we wait with anticipation to see the good things that you're bringing into our lives, the good things you're doing for your kingdom. God, is an honor to follow you in the fun moments and in the hard moments. And you have our full obedience in every moment. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.